Welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, you staying warm in the shed? Not really. I'm bundled up. Uh, I need to I need to go grab my Ryder Cup gear. Uh, it's not not pretty down here, but uh, we're, st- we're still cranking out stuff. We're still talking defensive coordinators and uh, college basketball. So, hey, is it cold for you too? I, I heard it was like my in laws said it was like below freezing up there. Is that true? It was like seven this morning. <laughs> it's nineteen right now. I'm looking at my phone right now. It says nineteen. <laughs> I woke up. It was ten. So I, I don't do the cold. <clears throat> I need to live in Arizona or California, or yeah. Florida, somewhere like that. But uh, I, I am worried about you, though. Do you, do you have central heat and air in the shed? <laughs> no, I've got a space heater, and it's it's built for like I think like 45 degree days, and not <laughs> not like 25. And yeah. uh, so I've got it up on top of my desk. Just just uh, it, it kind of gives a new uh, new meaning to the term hot takes. Cause my, my hands, my hands are, are pretty warm. Uh, my feet are freezing, but, uh, my hands are warm. So we're, we're good to go. It's right next to your microphone. So that's perfect. Yeah, um, exactly. Obviously the big story right now at Oklahoma state is they're, they're looking for a defensive coordinator. Uh, we talked last podcast about how they let Glenn Spencer go. You and I agreed that was the right move, but, uh, we haven't really heard a whole lot out of Stillwater as far as, yeah. uh, who's, who's going to be. I know Mike Gundy has apparently interviewed a few people. But uh, you wrote a story on the on the blog, uh, names nobody's talking about for a defensive coordinator search, and some of these names I've heard, and and some some I haven't. Yeah, I, I feel like coordinator searches and and assistant coaching searches in general are always kind of weird because they're big enough that they draw interest and they're kind of newsy, but they're not so big that you know, schools can kind of just fly under the radar with interview like like if you're if you're interviewing for a head football coaching position, it's hard to fly under the radar. Like somebody's reporting stuff and stuff gets out and, and whatever. But for coordinator, it doesn't it feel like really under the radar, like just kind of what goes on. Yeah. And I think coaching searches in general is a lot of guessing games. Um, just how it is. It's, it's very coaching searches are, are you're dealing with people that, are on the fringes of it that may know something may not. So you really have to kind of dive deep into this. And and I think people know even less obviously about Mike Gundy and who he's going to hire as a defensive coordinator. So it's a lot different than a head coaching search. So yeah, there's, it's a lot of guessing is the way I would, I would phrase it. But um, yeah, you know, you know, Purdue, not exactly a bastion of football success. Uh, (laughs) I remember them coming to the heart of Dallas bowl and getting their doors blown off by OSU but you apparently want to hire their defensive coordinator. Tell me more about this guy. Well, yeah, I, I kind of went off my, my beloved points per drive statistics. And I just looked over the last couple of years and looked at who went from being bad, like who, who made the biggest leap in terms of being bad to being, uh, to being pretty good. And the biggest leap last year was, was at Purdue. Nick Holt uh, was hired uh, to, to be their defensive coordinator in 2017. They went from a hundred 118th in the country to number 21. That was the biggest leap of any uh, FBS team. He was actually the defensive coordinator coordinator at USC from 2006 to 2008. And uh, one of my requirements, I think Kyle Cox pointed this out. One of the requirements for any defensive coordinator is that they should look terrifying. Like you should be scared of them when you look at them. (laughs) 
and he looks terrifying and i i would subscribe i it, this is hard because i have no idea if mike gundy even knows who nick holt is i didn't until i started you know looking around at statistics um and so it's like is he even on oklahoma state's radar he made 500,000 last year so theoretically you could give him a 200 250 raise and you know call it a day but is that actually going to happen i have no idea i'm just throwing names out there well, that's certainly interesting. Going from 118th to 21, that's that's a drastic change. Um, I think a, a lot of this is going to be, you know, all these guys that Mike Gunny's probably looking at, he doesn't have a direct connection to. Right. But he's, but he's going to look into them via someone he knows, most likely. And I just, I don't know if there's a connection there with Nick Holder, if he would just up and hire, you know, you know, we went and hired Dana is a guy he actually coached against. He had a little bit of firsthand knowledge against yeah. him. So Holt seems kind of just, you know, a fringe candidate at best, but he does have the, the credentials for sure. Coaching USC. That's, that's no joke. Um, so he, I like the name. Um, another guy that really interests me that you had on here that, that I immediately thought of is the, uh, Iowa state defense coordinator. You know, they, yep. They shut down TCU, held them to seven. They did as, as well as anyone did ever against Baker Mayfield. Uh, they did a really good job. John uh, Heacock, I guess is his name. Yeah, he, he, you know, he's been there, I think last year, I believe was his second year. They weren't very good in his first year, and then last year they got uh, to, to uh, top 40 in the country in, in terms of defensive points per drive. They were, I think that would, made them third in the Big 12. Um, Oklahoma State was actually fourth in the Big 12, I think. Uh, I think it went Texas, then TCU, and then Iowa State. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty impressive to do that at Iowa State, especially in year two of, of kind of a new regime. And he only makes 450000 Uh Glenn Spencer made six seventy five last year. So that's sort of the, I guess, budget that you're dealing with. I think Oklahoma State would go above and beyond that if they felt like they needed to. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I would be, I would be in on it. You ready for some of my names? Yeah. You said, you said, uh, I, I did not have them on here. So I want to hear them. Well, actually there's just one that I have. I mean, the guy, I, I mean, as far as all this defensive coordinator search goes, just, just go hire Chad Glasgow from TCU. You can even say, Hey Chad, you can wear a purple shirt and put <laughs> TCU on it. We're running TCU's defense. Like, I don't even care if you put an OSU shirt on, like make it be known. We are running TCU's defense, and I know the the slide against this guy is well. Gary Patterson runs the defense; he makes the calls. But it'd be one thing if this guy was Gary Patterson's defensive coordinator and not making calls, and had been there three or four years. He's been there sixteen years. He knows his defense as well as Gary Patterson does, and calling plays on defense and offense really is not rocket science. I think he would be more than capable of doing that. He is the defensive coordinator in title. So that's who I'm hiring. Uh, but another guy that someone suggested to me on Twitter, actually, that I hadn't thought of, and if Mike Gundy is really wanting to change to a 3-4, which we don't know if he wants to or if he wants to go to a 4-2-5 like TCU runs, I think that would be probably better in the Big 12. But if he wants to go to a 3-4, uh, I would hire Tim DeRuder. Remember him? Does that name ring a bell? Uh, it sounds familiar, but I don't know what I remember him from. Uh, he coached at Texas A&M. Uh, okay. He coached as a 3-4. He was from Air Force originally uh, from 2007 to 2009 at Air Force. He took them from uh, uh, 78th in defense to 10th. And then uh, at Texas A&M, he took over in 2010. They were 104th in scoring defense. 
he took them to 21st in scoring defense. Wow. And he did so well at, at A&M that Fresno State hired him to be the head coach. Flamed out there, didn't do well at all as the head coach. And he just was hired at, as Cal's defensive coordinator this past season. So if they want to go to like a total change in philosophy to a 3-4, that's who, that's who I think they need to hire. But I just, uh, whether I, they're willing to do that, I don't know. Yeah, and the 3-4 thing, I know Robert Allen was talking about that. I, I I don't know if I'm buying that. I don't know if that's actually what they're going to do. You know, during, on signing day, Gundy was discussing uh, kind of the, the type of players they were recruiting, and he basically said, you know, we might go away from having basically three linebackers, and, and they kind of do that with the star position, but I think – he was insinuating that they'll go away from it completely and only have two linebackers and, and five uh, guys in the secondary. So that doesn't sound like a three, four. It sounds like a four, two, five, which is what Chad Glasgow is, is, you know, obviously helping out with at TCU. What, what do you think about, I think one of the criticisms of Glasgow is just that he was the Texas tech defensive coordinator for a year and was not good. And then uh, he gets, I guess let go of there and ends up back at TCU. Do you feel like that's a fair criticism of him or, or how do you feel about that? It'd be different for me if he had been there four or five years and, and still got horrible results. He was there one season like, and since when has tech ever played good defense? That just might be a situation kind of like OSU where maybe they just aren't going to play defense at all ever. And tech's been even worse than OSU defensively. I mean, they've been historically, they're even worse now than they were back then. I would say, uh, and he coached with Tuberville back when they were floundering. So I, I can't just write this guy off for one season at Tech who's never played defense ever. Uh, what I can do is, you know, you want to hire people who know what they're doing, especially know what they're doing in the Big 12. And again, TCU has played the best defense by far since they joined the conference. It's not close. Yeah. So I, I just copy them, like I said, throw the TC, TCU hoodie on them and just, Say you're you're a hired gun from TCU and you're going to be our defense coordinator. That's what I do. Now, as far as like philosophies and base defenses and all that, I I don't know enough about it. But one thing I a thought I've had Kyle that during the season I never brought up with you that I've I think is kind of like what defensive coordinators should look at doing in the Big Twelve and college football in general. When you know how nowadays nobody huddles, they just stare at the defense, see what they're running, and they turn over to the sideline and they call a play. Right? Shouldn't and I think Glenn Spencer did this a little bit. Remember when he would have the entire defensive line all stand up and like the whole, like you didn't know what their formation was. Yeah. Why don't, why don't defenses while offenses are starting to like line up before they've even lined up? Why don't they all just kind of not move around, but get out of the formation to where they don't know what they're running. And then when it's time to hike the ball, then, then you get, then you get set and go. Isn't that kind of a counter? Don't you think to, uh, the no huddle offense, just reading what defenses do. I think it is. I'm surprised more teams don't do that. Yeah, I think it could get a little confusing just in terms of the personnel that you have out there and where you want them to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's certainly uh, it's certainly a, a compelling thought or a compelling. I th- when when Oklahoma State did that, I I think they were just like I don't think they moved into a formation. I think they just rush the like it was like flag football and they all rushed the quarterback <laughs> i i don't i don't know that it was like a like a disguise of of the actual formation but i don't know it just it, the i know you keep saying like just copy tcu do what tcu does and i don't disagree with you i think you're right but 
I guess the question is like, why, why doesn't everybody in the big 12 do that? If that's what's working, like, like why aren't teams doing that? Well, I think because Gary Patterson is the one that is kind of the one that runs it and knows what he's doing and knows how to call it and knows how to whatever. So hire his right hand man is what I'm saying. And, and I don't, I don't think teams don't copy them on, on a, on a down-to-down basis, I mean, at least in, in spots, I think I think people probably do take a little bit of defensive schemes they see on tape, just like they do offensive. And maybe it's something that just hasn't quite evolved yet, because now everyone runs the spread offense pretty much. Yeah. Maybe it's one of those things where now what the, the entire league will start to shift to kind of what TCU runs. I don't know. Maybe this would be the beginning of that if OSU hires Glasgow. And I don't know if they are going to, and I'm not going to poo-poo uh, another hire if it's not if it's not Glasgow. So I just that's just I just, I just think it's ironic that I said it about a month ago. Like just just go just go hire someone that knows what TCU's doing, and then yeah. Glasgow's names kind of popped up. So that's that's something I could get behind. Yeah, I, I thought that Adam Lunt wrote a really compelling uh, piece earlier this week about how Oklahoma State, like being a defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, is really hard. Obviously, because your offense is scoring a ton, you have to be on the field a lot, et cetera, et cetera. You don't recruit that well. Like, you, there's just a lot of things working against you. But the thing is, like, we always talk about, oh, Oklahoma State needs to be like top twenty in the country in points per drive or scoring defense or whatever, and that's just that's just not true. Like, they need to be. And in his point was, they need to be situationally great. And I think that. We were talking about OU's defense a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, and I was pointing out, well, they won the Big 12, um, even though they had a terrible defense statistically. But, And I think your counterpoint and kind of where we landed on that was they were situationally, they were they were pretty good. Like they got stops when they needed to against uh, the Oklahoma States, the uh, TCUs, the West Virginia. So it's it's not about whether you give up however many points it's whether you it's whether you win the game you know and 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 so if you're saying Oklahoma State's always going to have a good offense and and at times they're going to have a really good offense then as long as you are situationally great then it it doesn't really matter what the statistics say because you can win all your games like that now it's that's easier said than done And, and Adam's point was like you need to have an identity like like, who are you? Like, are you just the best run defense in the country? Like, and and his example was uh, Texas this year against Oklahoma State. They just said, hey, run the ball on us. Do it. We dare you. And we've got Malik Jefferson, and he's going to stop it, and we don't care. But we're not going to let you throw deep. And that's having an identity in a, in a specific game. And Oklahoma State just doesn't seem to have had that over the last couple of years. Yeah, I just I guess I get confused on what is – how do you be situation situationally great? I mean, obviously you want to get stops in the red zone, but that's hard to do in the Big Twelve. You want to get stops on third down. That's yeah. that's also hard. I, I don't understand how you can be situationally great. That just seems arbitrary to me. Or, well, well but, you know. but did didn't you feel like OU was situationally great? Like their numbers on defense were horrendous. Well, they I went, feel like they played. I feel like they played well in November when the games matter the most. They got they got a lot of stops. I mean the. the TCU Big 12 title game, TCU had nothing for them. And TCU yeah. scored 40 in Stillwater. I think that's the difference. I mean, they they, they didn't have a good year, obviously. But uh, I thought they got better as the season went along. And that's, that's I think the OSU defense went the other way. I think that's that was my biggest takeaway. Um, but I do agree with Adam that they need to hang their hat on something, whether it's 
uber aggression, which is what I would favor because let's face it, they're getting beat anyway. Why not get the ball back to your offense quickly? <laughs> if you're going to give up seven, uh, the, the bend, but don't, I'm tired of seeing the bend, but don't break. I'm tired of seeing the third down conversions. And I think the more aggressive you are, the more likely you're going to get turnovers and, and touchdowns and all the stuff that can really swing a big 12 game. So I, I'm in favor of more being more aggressive. And if you give up a few more big plays, is that really any different than what we saw this year? <laughs> no, no, it's not. Uh, okay, we need to get to our guest, Carson. It's time for the Coupe Works Guest of the Week. Coupe Works bring great-tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coupe Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. <clears throat> I'm actually going by Coupe this weekend. I'm heading up to uh, to Bedlam. I'm going to swing by and pick up some... Uh, some drinks, some delicious coupe. Oh, you gonna pick me up a sleeve of a uh, Saturday Siren for me? Yeah, if they still have it's that's uh, seasonal, isn't it? I don't know if they'll still have any, but if they do, I'll get you some. Surely at HQ they got a few laying around. <laughs> okay, we're gonna call Mark Cooper of the Tulsa World. Mark covers obviously football and basketball uh, in Stillwater for the Tulsa World. Talk to him a little bit about the defensive coordinator search, and then. Also about uh, Mike Boynton's Oklahoma State Cowboys, who are now, what are they, two and four in the Big 12? Two and four. Yep. So let's call him. Hello. Hey, Mark. Hey, Kyle. How's it going? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Just uh, hanging out in the cold here. <laughs> how's the weather down there? Uh, it's it's not good. I've, I've got my, my yeah. dinky space heater, and it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> just sit, sitting out in my is shed. It, just, it, it, is it snowing out there? Uh, it snowed a little last night. I mean, by a little, I mean like two, like two millimeters. Uh, Mark, Mark does not feel sorry for you and I, Kyle. He and I did a, a live shot up in Ames, <laughs> Iowa, when it was like fifteen or twenty degrees, and I look like I look like I was in like in Hoth in Star Wars. I have like a giant coat, <laughs> hat. Like I'm dying. And Mark walks out with like no gloves, no hat, just like a leather jacket. Just looked like he was in sixty degree weather. He, the New Yorker in him is strong. It's it's cold here today. When the feels like is in like single digits, like it is here, it, this is cold. Carson, so you actually did, put a gloves and hat on. Yeah, I've got gloves. I don't have a hat on. <laughs> Carson, did you know I've never seen Star Wars? Yeah, that's why I kind of hesitated to say that because, like, I know Kyle has no idea what I'm about to say because you you haven't seen any movies ever, <laughs> even classics such as Star Wars and The Godfather. You know, you, can can I tell you that I've never seen Star Wars either? There we go. I'm hanging up. I'm hanging up. You guys can have fun. I'll talk to y'all later. Okay, What's wrong Mark. with you people? Well, it's just it doesn't. It's not. It's not interesting to me. I, I don't. You know. don't even. You don't even know what it's about. Well, I've, I've, yeah, I, I guess I don't. I've seen commercials, and I'm just like, nah, I'll read a book. I, I don't know. There's it a seems like classics. it seems like such a it seems like such a time consuming endeavor to go through all of them, and I'm not interested enough to. Uh, no, just to just watch just just watch the three originals and thank me later. Uh, but that's enough about Star Wars, Mark. Uh, Mark, <laughs> tell us who the new defensive coordinator is going to be. Surely you have that information for us. Um, I wish I did. If I had it, it would, uh, it would be written and, and out there, right? I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of, uh, in the dark as, as most people are as to what Mike Gundy's thinking. And, uh, even into 
what his timeline is here because uh, he kind of works on his own timeline with a lot of these things. Sometimes it's it's fast. Or uh, when I was up in Stillwater uh, for basketball uh, over the weekend, somebody reminded me that when he hired Tim Duffy to be his cornerbacks coach, uh, that didn't happen until after spring practice started. So he really doesn't uh, doesn't work on anybody else's timeline. Um, I would tend to. My guess would be that it would be somebody from outside the program. I know there's uh, obviously been a lot of buzz about Ryan Van Gorder or Joe Bob Clements or somebody internally taking the job, uh, but I just sort of tend to think that if you're going to move on uh, from Glenn Spencer, uh, you're obviously doing it because of the production of the defense, not because of the guy Glenn Spencer is. And if you're going to move on from a, a coordinator uh, for what they're doing on the field, nothing personally, then I, I would think that you want to bring in somebody new and kind of get a fresh start with somebody. Mark, what I was thinking about this the other day. What do you think the reason is, or do you, do you find it? In, are you intrigued by the fact that Brian Van Gorder, who's been a, a defensive coordinator at places like Auburn and Georgia and Notre Dame, and and even in the NFL, is currently a defensive analyst at Oklahoma State? D- does that strike you as a little bit odd, or kind of just off a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Um, it surprises me in the sense that. Uh, he's still at OSU, you know. I mean, when, it's sort of like what happened last year with Josh, Hens- Josh Henson, where you kind of get a guy who, who sort of needs a bounce back year uh, before they go somewhere else, and, and Henson, obviously, different circumstances being an OSU alum. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Van Gorder's career path is interesting. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but he's worked at something like 17 or 19 different places over the course of his career. I think it's 19. Yeah. I think it's 11 colleges, four high schools, and four NFL teams. Uh, in 35 years, and uh, he hasn't been in one place longer than four years, if I kind of remember correctly. Uh, and so, I guess you sort of never know the story with a guy like that. Uh, there's certainly a lot of them out there. Um, but even even if he was the guy for Oklahoma State, a defense coordinator, there's nothing in his track record that would make you think he would uh, be at OSU longer than the next couple of seasons before he'd either move on to his next opportunity or or what. I, uh, you know, some places he's certainly been successful as Notre Dame tenure obviously ended pretty abruptly in, in the middle of the season um but i'm not entirely sure what uh the deal is in terms of him still being at oklahoma state after this year maybe he's holding out and waiting to see if he gets uh the coordinator nod before he looks elsewhere i would be surprised if he was back at osu as an analyst next season for sure because i would think that he'd latch on somewhere if he wanted to yeah i think the speculation mark is that perhaps he'll get hired as linebackers coach which i guess glenn spencer used to coach and that they can bring in the defensive coordinator and perhaps you know that's where the 10th assistant would come from i'm not sure if that's the case but could you see a situation where van gorder comes on as a position coach yeah i mean unless he wants to coordinate elsewhere that would be the thing is if he had a coordinator offer somewhere else i would imagine he would take that um but you certainly have that potential uh you know whether you hire him to be your linebackers coach, and then whoever you hire to be defensive coordinator is almost the, the CEO of the defense, the way, uh, in some ways, Mike Gundy is the CEO of the offense. Um, that, that might be something that works. I know, I know Mike Gundy wants to use that 10th assistant to uh, add another guy who can recruit defensive players and everything like that. Uh, the question for me would be whether Van Gorder wants to be a position coach when he's been a coordinator uh, for most of the last decade, and uh, that's a question that I don't know him well enough to answer. Okay, Mark, uh, give us a name or just somebody that you've seen that you're like, huh, that'd be interesting. That's somebody that maybe nobody's talking about uh, that that could end up as the defensive coordinator at OSU. 
Yeah, um, Bill Ace and I actually kind of did this the night that Glenn Spencer was let go and kind of bounced names back and forth. And uh, the one that, that he and I both found really interesting but maybe sort of improbable at this point would be Paul Rhodes. Uh, given that I know Mike Gundy really likes Paul Rhodes and, and he did some decent things defensively at Iowa State over the course of his career, uh, but he just took a job at UCLA. And so unless he wants to sort of pull a Josh Henson uh, like he did at Arizona State and, and hop across the OSU, I'm not sure that one's going to be possible. But then uh, the other guy who, who intrigues me a lot is, is Iowa State's current defensive coordinator, uh, John Heacock, uh, a guy who worked under Jim Tressel. And so he comes from the Jim Tressel coaching tree coached uh, as a head coach at Youngstown State for eight years, so he's really experienced, sort of been around uh, for a long time. Uh, but the reason he's most intriguing is, you know, what he was able to do at Iowa State with uh, their players, and, and obviously OSU can recruit better than Iowa State. You know, what they were able to do on defense this year was really impressive. And if I'm Mike Gundy, I want to bring in a guy who has proven at some point in their career that they can stop uh, the type of offenses and passing games that you see in the Big 12. Uh, whether it's him or, or somebody else, because I, if you're going to move on from one Spencer, I think you need to uh, bring in a guy that, that you feel comfortable with him and, and his experience. I know we can sort of joke about the idea that they're going to go hire um, somebody from the FCS or Division II levels the way they did on the <laughs> offensive side of the ball, but I'd honestly be pretty surprised. Um, I, went and, I went and looked at some of the top guys from, from those levels just in case, but I would be surprised if he did that on the defensive side of the ball. I think Gundy's going to want somebody who, who he can trust to run the defense, whereas uh, it's probably a lot easier for Mike Gundy to do that on the offensive side of the ball, given that uh, if things go wrong, he can always kind of get his hands in there. Who is the best defensive coordinator at the Shippensburg level? Who your studies uh, there found? There was a guy, I think, uh, I think Division Two produced, uh, I think the number one defense this year uh, in yards per play allowed. Their defensive coordinator was actually their head coach, so I think I had to look at the number two. <laughs> I think I think it was the University of Sioux Falls, um, and all I could imagine <laughs> was the uh, the uh, the Twitter outrage if if Oklahoma State announced their defensive <laughs> coordinator was coming from from Sioux Falls to Stillwater. I think that would not be received very well. Um, but yeah. that honestly, the most intriguing name at one of those lower levels, only because there's a mild loose OSU connection, was uh, I think the number three defense at whatever level that they're in was the, the University of Mary Hardin Baylor down in Texas, which uh, is the school that Oklahoma State gets with for all their satellite camps in Texas. And so if there was a lower-level coach who has a top-five defense at their level, uh, maybe, maybe it would be that one because that's probably a coach Mike Gundy is familiar with already. I think there would be more outrage if they hired Paul Rhodes just from the 2011 flashbacks. I think the fans would just... <laughs> Double over in the stands if they saw Paul Rhodes. Uh, have, but where, Mark, where do you stand on uh, Chad Glasgow? Obviously, the natural connection there is he's an OSU grad, and I kind of been calling for all year that they hire someone with with knowledge of what TCU does, and what better guy than who's the defensive coordinator at TCU in name and has been there for 16 years with uh, Gary Patterson. Just what do you think about him as a candidate? Yeah, um, you know he's interesting because. Uh, you know they've had success when they bring in guys who know OSU well. Obviously, Josh Henson was uh, a tremendous hire. I think you know everybody would agree he hit it out of the park in his first season, and and with what he's doing recruiting, uh, Glasgow's uh, it's kind of hard to predict from his resume because he didn't have a great tenure at Texas Tech. And so the question you ask is uh, is what TCU's been able to do uh, all Gary Patterson, or has Gary Patterson rubbed off enough on Chad Glasgow that he can now leave and go somewhere else and and implement some of what Gary Patterson has done at TCU and, and have success elsewhere. And, uh, you know, I would imagine that, that Mike Gundy's asking that exact same question 
uh, to himself and trying to figure out if, if Glasgow would be the right guy. I would, I would imagine, uh, given, as you said, you know, Gary Patterson is, is the defense coordinator, even if Chad Glasgow has that title. Uh, Glasgow would probably jump at the opportunity to, to be able to run his own defense in Stillwater. I think I would be fine with that hire. I think, I think he, I think the, the guy currently at Iowa State, I think those are two guys who uh, have a little bit of a proven track record of, of producing a little bit in this conference. And uh, that's kind of the hardest thing to predict is you don't want to go get somebody from uh, another conference who hasn't spent a ton of time going up against an Oklahoma or you know the Baylor offenses of the past few seasons or a Texas Tech. Uh, and doesn't have that much experience stopping them. I think you need a guy who who knows what it takes in this league. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And and, and to that end, though, I, the, the thing that I'm so curious about is what what do you have to do on defense to win the Big Twelve? Because I think that a lot of us look at 2017 and it's like, wow, Oklahoma State had a top three offense or a top five offense, depending on the metrics you look like or or you look at. And they didn't even play for the Big 12 title because of their defense. I think that's what most people would say. So to you, what is it that Oklahoma State has to do to play for the Big 12 title? Is it just a, is it just a numbers game? Like, do you just have to get more stops? Is it more turnovers? What, what for you is the one thing that they need to key in on? Turnovers is obviously a huge part of it. Big plays like turnovers and, and sacks. Uh, and just kind of, you have to narrow it down. I don't know that. Uh, it's hard to have a defense that's going to be good at everything in the Big 12. And when you sort of look back, the, the 2013 defense actually kind of stands up in, in most statistics, even scoring yeah. defense, which you would never expect a Big 12 defense to be good at. They were 19th in the country in scoring defense. And then when you go break it down yards per play and things like that, they were 10th and they were really good that season. I don't know that you can be, have a top 20 scoring defense in the Big 12 in 2018. And I wouldn't require OSU to do that. I think uh, I look more at what can they do to have the best turnover margin in the conference? What can they do to have the best third down defense uh, or the red zone defense and, and holding teams to three instead of seven? I think those are all uh, really crucial aspects of, of surviving in the Big 12 because uh, in a lot of these games, especially when you have had an offense like OSU's the past few seasons, holding your opponent to a field goal when they get out inside the 20 is a win as much as you know a traditionalist wouldn't want to see it that way. Uh, I think, you know, being able to figure out those things and, and that's, you know, you look at their 2011 team, the team that did win the big 12, they were number one in the country in turnover margin. And I don't think they're yep. uh, ever going to go force 44 turnovers or whatever it was over the course of that season. Uh, that was kind of an insanely high number. I don't know if they're going to go do that again, but I think that for OSU, if you're at the top of the league in turnover margin and you're one of the better red zone and third down defenses, you're probably going to win the league. And I think you could probably go back and look at, some of OSU's games this season. I think OSU was 0-3 when they lost the turnover battle and they were 10-0 when they won it. And so, uh, obviously, the offense played a role in that. But it comes down, you know, as much as anything to them being able to force more turnovers than they're going to give up. Did you Were you surprised that Mike made the move and got rid of Glenn? I know the, the timing was interesting between signing days, but uh, did you think that Mike was going to make a move or did it kind of catch you by surprise? Um, a little bit by surprise, uh, based on the production, not really. I think, you know, he's obviously had five years to be the defensive coordinator. And in some ways, aside from 2014, which was a bad year for everybody, uh, their defense has really kind of gotten worse year by year. And, and the ugly trend the last three seasons is that, uh, the month of November, the defense is out of course and big games. And, uh, for, for the first four, four years of his tenure, you could kind of pin that on, well, they played OU at the end of the season, and, and they really struggled in that game. And then 
this year they play OU in, in early November, and it didn't seem to matter who they were playing at the end of the season. Kansas State goes out and scores 45 points in that game. So uh, finding a way to buck that trend, and that's obviously not all on Spencer. I think uh, you can kind of look at the way they've recruited defensive backs the last few seasons and wonder why this year they only had two cornerbacks who they trusted to put on the field, one being a redshirt freshman. Um, but the one part that did surprise me is Mike Gundy, from what I've gathered and from covering him the last few seasons, is pretty loyal to his assistant coaches. And, and the only time that he's really made a move over the last few years uh, is when recruiting also dictates it, like with Greg Adkins last season. And so that's the part that surprised me is, is he's typically pretty loyal to his guys and, and wants to give them a chance to get it figured out on the field as long as uh, he likes working with them and, and they're doing well enough in recruiting. And so uh, I didn't get a sense that Spencer was doing poorly in, in those aspects. It's just the production on the field, uh, I guess, kind of, led to Gundy needing to open the door for him. And uh, the other thing that kind of came to mind the day that he let Spencer go is 2018 is a year where they're going to need their defense to be much improved over 2017 because I don't yeah. think anybody can expect them to, to score at the level that they did this season. And so if they produce the same defense that they did this year, you know, are you staying at 6-6 six and six or 7-5? and five? I think Gundy probably wondered, and, and he, needs, he needs to see defense improvement this season for them to have another really good year. Philosophically, what, what do you think that they want to do? Because I, you know, I, I was reading uh, Robert Allen the other day, and he he seemed convinced that Gundy wants to go to a three-down defense, uh, which I believe is a Brian Van Gorder thing. I, I don't know how involved he would be in that, but uh, on signing or on uh, during the early signing period when Gundy had his press conference, he talked about. I went back and got the quote. He talked about uh, going with, with five defensive backs and maybe only two linebackers. So it sounds like maybe four, two, five, maybe three. I, I, I'm curious as to what you think they want to do from a philosophical standpoint. Yeah, well, a, a four, two, five would kind of lead you to think Chad Glasgow might be the guy, right? Because yep. that, he, can bring that, he can bring that up with him. And um, Yeah, I mean, I would guess that if you ask Mike Gundy, he's going to say that, he still wants four linemen, but he also wants the ability to be multiple. And uh, that's something that I know when they hired Brian Van Gorder was talked about a lot was, you know, he's a three down lineman guy, uh, but he's also been a, a multiple guy. I think there's been times uh, I did a lot of research when they hired him. and I can't remember now, but I think there's been certain places where he's, he's run a four three and, and he's kind of done a bunch of different things. And so uh, he's kind of a hybrid guy, which is sort of attractive for this league. Um, I would guess that they're going to want to do a lot more with, with five defensive backs. I mean, they even kind of did it this this season. I think they sort of use that star linebacker role uh, as a spot now where they can drop a guy back as a safety. And, and they played Kenneth Edison Magruder uh, almost quite a bit at safety when they used him uh, kind of in a backup role down the stretch this season. So just based on what I saw them trying to do defensively down the stretch this year and, and how they tried to defend teams, I would guess that they're going to want to have five defensive backs out there a lot. I don't know if they want to go to a West Virginia type system or not, uh, but I think they probably want to implement elements of it. Well, one thing's for sure. Gundy keeps this stuff pretty quiet. I remember when he hired <clears throat> Todd Munkin, you mentioned the t- Tim Duffy hire taking a while, but the Todd Munkin hire com- came completely out of left field. So I guess we're just going to have to wait and see because I we haven't heard much yet. And uh, Gundy likes to keep this thing close to the vest. Yeah, and, and I, w- I wasn't here in, in 2013, but I don't remember hearing any smoke about Mike Yersich before it was actually announced, right? That kind of <laughs> yeah. came out of nowhere, too. Had to Google him, yeah. 
Mark, were you yeah. in Waco? Were you in Waco last night? Uh, what did you think of the loss to, uh, uh, to Baylor? I was, I was not. I was not in Waco. Uh, I watched it closely on TV. Um, I thought. They looked all right in the first half, uh, but the problem for, for OSU right now is when they don't get any stops on the defensive end of the floor, their offense suffers because they yeah. are not a very good half-court offense team, uh, and especially against zone. The Texas and Baylor games kind of showed that when the team goes to zone, uh, OSU's guards tend to look around at each other and try to figure out what to do. <laughs> and so I think one thing compounds the other is, is Baylor, I looked at it, they scored on 67% of their offensive possessions in the second half last night, which uh, I don't think you can win regardless. But one thing it does is it takes away OSU's ability to, to run and get anything in transition. And when OSU went on the run in the first half, a lot of it was their ability to run down the floor and, and push the tempo a little bit. Uh, they need to figure out what's wrong with uh, all of their shooters. They're, they've turned into just a dreadful shooting team. Five for 18, I think, last night. And Carroll's down to 29 percent for the season and Wendy Waters is still struggling. Everybody aside from Thomas Zagwa is struggling to hit three pointers at a decent rate. And that's, I mean, they'll, they're going to need to shoot better in order to, to win a bunch of games the rest of the season. That's not really rocket science. Um, but the other question is whether they have the ability to do anything in the half court offensively. And uh, everything for me comes back to their guard play. I think that their, their guard play has been pretty disappointing in big 12 play both on that side of the floor and on the defensive end, where it seems like whatever whatever point guard they're matched up against has a chance at a career night. I think you were talking about the other day how they're, how the sort of magic number in the Big 12 could be eight wins to get to the NCAA tournament. What, what kind of chances do you give them of, of getting there? I think we're a third of the way through, and they're two and four. Uh, can, can they get to eight yeah. wins? And if so, how are they going to do it? Um, I kind of took a look and, and broke it down a little bit this morning. And so they need to go six and six, right? And so on the surface, playing 500 basketball doesn't sound that hard. Uh, but here are their next five games. They're, they're home against Oklahoma. Then they go to Texas Tech. Then they go to Arkansas. Then they're home against TCU. And then they go to Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas. <laughs> this is a team that hasn't shown they can play good, play well on the road yet. Uh, and two of their next three road games are against top ten teams in Tech and Kansas, and the other one's to Arkansas, which I would imagine usually has a pretty good road environment still. Uh, and then your home games are against OU, who we've already seen them lose by 22, and then TCU, who plays everybody close. Maybe that's the most winnable of these next five games, um, but it's still against a ranked team. It's hard to figure out where those wins are going to come from because uh, do you see them going, even going two and three in those next five? You know, Even if you give them one win, they're still staring at three and seven in the conference by the time they come out of that stretch. Uh, and at that point you're, you're asking them to do a whole lot. Now I didn't think that they were going to come back from 0 and six to make the tournament last year. Um, but the difference between last year and this year is last year's team had an NBA point guard who could sort of will them to, to wins where uh, I don't know that they really have that guy this season. I think that they're uh, certainly a scrappy team. And, and even if they continue losing games, I would be surprised if this team throws it in and, and gets blown out very often. But uh, it's getting harder and harder to see their, their path to eight wins. I kind of thought they needed to steal either the Kansas State game or the Baylor game to, to get to eight, and now I'm starting to see them as a 6-12 a and 12 type team that uh, might end up in the NIT and could very well win the NIT with how they play sometimes, but uh, it's just a brutal conference, and uh, it's a league where it's going to be hard for Baylor or Kansas State or any of these teams near the bottom to get to 10 or get to eight and 10 with, with how good the top four are. 
Yeah, I, th- I even think if they somehow got to like seven wins in the conference, they would be on the bubble and be one of those teams that are in the discussion of possibly sneaking in. Whether they would or not, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Because I mean, forty percent of the league's ranked in the top ten right now. That's how, that's how good it is. But uh, I thought Bill Hasten wrote a really interesting column uh, this week in the Tulsa World about uh, Scott Sutton and Sean Sutton. You know, Sean's at Texas Tech now, helping them get to that top ten ranking and. Scott obviously is is in Stillwater with OSU. Being around practices and the coaches and stuff, just what impact has, has Scott Sutton had on this team? Yeah, you know it's it's hard to I guess tell his direct influence on the players. He got he got in so late that I think he spent most of the preseason trying to get to know them as much as he did to coach them. Uh, but I think they all like having him around. Uh, he I, the thing I I think is Scott Sutton seems sort of reinvigorated by being there. Uh, I talked to him before the Oklahoma State Oral Roberts game, and he had told me that uh, he's kind of commuting back and forth right now, which uh, is kind of, I guess, would be hell for a coach to have to go back and forth and tell to Stillwater all the time. But he said he plans on moving to Stillwater this offseason, which tells me that uh, he really likes Mike Boynton and, and he really wants to commit to, to OSU being a good program. Uh, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if he helps them at all in terms of in-state recruiting, which is something they haven't done very much of over the past few years. I think Mitchell Solomon's the only Oklahoma guy on their roster, and, and he'll be gone after the season. Oh, and Wendy Waters, but um, Mitchell Solomon and Waters the only two, and, and there are some guys in the next few seasons who I think they'll recruit out of the state of Oklahoma. Um, but it's hard to tell his impact because he got in so late. I, I don't know um, really who you could credit with him developing at this point. Okay, Mark, we've taken up a lot of your time. We'll get you out of here on this. Uh, As you know, we like to do uh, uniform reviews. I don't think we've ever asked you what your favorite uh, combination. You can can give us football or basketball, and this is is actually brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. Um, So, yeah, give us your favorite combo uh, for either football or basketball. Well, my favorite basketball is the cursive ones they wore this year with, when they, with the addition of those old-school shorts. I think that so would, if that was their look every game, I think, they're a, I think their attendance would go off <laughs> if they wore those every game. Uh, football-wise, I thought the, uh, you know, whatever we're calling it, the sort of New England Patriots-like Pistol Pete this year, the bow-legged Pete, I thought that was kind of – that might be my favorite helmet that they've worn in, in my time here. Uh, I, th- I think that look is awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, hopefully, they retain that for uh, for 2018 uh, with the new. Uh, we didn't even talk about Spencer Sanders. We'll get to that later on in the year. But um, anyway, thanks for joining us, Mark. Uh, your insight is always appreciated, and you guys can read him on TulsaWorld.com. I will be in Stillwater on Saturday for Bedlam, so I will uh, hopefully see you there. Yeah, see you then. Great, thanks for having me, guys. All right, see you, Mark. Mike, Appreciate you it. Okay, Carson, we are back. Um, before we jump into that, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. 
Okay. Uh, your biggest takeaway from Mark Cooper was that he had to dive into FCS coaches. No, uh, <laughs> it was more of a, I thought he, he kind of hit the nail on the head with uh, some of those coaching candidates. Uh, as far as the Iowa state guy, man, the more you hear about that guy, the more you like, uh, he seemed to, he seemed to really be fond of that guy. And just, um, I thought the Brian Van Gorder stuff was interesting. This guy is like a, yeah, a, mi- a mystery, a football mystery. He said he's been <laughs> to like 17, 18 places or whatever. And, He's got that goatee. He's kind of scary. Uh, I've seen him actually up on the top of the stadium. You know where we where we do our live shots is at the very top, and that's where a lot of the coaches uh, sit during the games. It's where I think it's where the coordinators are. Uh, they're always running around up there. But he's been up there with the defensive coaches, so uh, he seems to he he's had a lot of insight for the, about uh, Brian Van Gorder. Yeah, I, I thought that was intriguing. The Iowa State guy, I, I thought his point, and, and I think you probably made it as well, but to have seen somebody do it in the Big 12 is is paramount. That's big. I actually, while we were talking, somebody sent me an article about uh, Nick Holt. Um, it was actually in the comments section of my post. So he was the, <laughs> he was the defensive coordinator at, uh, at Washington, and he got fired after they gave up 777 yards and 67 points to Baylor in the Alamo Bowl. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> they uh, also, do you know, speaking of, do you know how many yards OSU gave up in Bedlam this year? How many yards? Uh, it was like 700. 800? Seven, I don't know. 785. So more, <laughs> more than that. Uh, they also gave up 65 points and 615 yards to Stanford that year and another 40 and 425 yards to, uh, to USC. So maybe Nick Holt's not my guy. I, I don't know. Might need to rethink well, doesn't, that one. Doesn't that speak to the point about the one season uh, Glasgow had at Tech? I mean, these guys, I, I bet you can go with any defensive coordinator's resume and they're going to have a year where something like that happens or yeah. else... Or else they're coaching the Patriots. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, you're you're right. And I, I just I, I think that I guess my point there is like, and you, and you said this earlier. Like, maybe you can be a great defense in the Big Twelve by playing a specific way, but maybe that doesn't translate to the Big Twelve. And so, if that's true, then maybe you should look at um, an Iowa State coach or a TCU coach, coaches that have done it, have been there and done it against these spread teams. Cause I mean, Gundy said this during the title game, like big 12, big 12 football is different. It just is. And some people hate that. Some people love it, but it's, it's kind of a reality at this point. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm fascinated to see what Mike does, but uh, I, I would be happy with the Iowa. How would you rank them in order of preference? Would it be your guy, Nick Holt, the Iowa state guy? Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm with you with Glasgow. Is it Glasgow? Glasgow? I guess we'll find out when he's introduced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll need a pronunciation guide from from Gavin Lang. Just just the fact that he he I don't know I'm a sucker for like guys having played at OSU and oh uh, you tugging at the heartstrings. Yeah, I mean I know it's silly and people don't like coaches don't and players don't really care about that stuff, but I think it's kind of cool. Um, well, so yeah. He, uh, it's funny you bring that up. You know, I had a guy come after me on Twitter saying, like, why is everyone talking about Glasgow? He was terrible at tech. Just because he went to OSU, that's stupid. And I was like, uh, I was like, did you know, like, the only reason, like, 
Josh Henson's at OSU is because he's an alum. Like it's just a natural dot to connect, which yeah. that dot did connect with with uh, Josh Henson. And he he tried to say, well, Josh Henson did this, 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 and this. I go, that, I go, yes, he's a great coach. I think he did a great job. But the reason he's at OSU is because he went to OSU. That's it. Yeah. He, yeah. he got fired at Missouri, and he had to take an analyst job at Arizona State. And the reason he took an analyst job at OSU is because he went to school there. So I think it's a natural dot to connect. But but what intrigues me more about him is obviously everything we've talked about with his his TCU connection. Yeah. Uh, the other guy, I, we don't, I don't think we brought him up, but – I don't know if I can pronounce his name either. He's the defensive coordinator at uh, at Fresno, uh, Orlando Steinauer. He's a younger guy. He's only been the coach at Fres- or defensive coordinator at Fresno for like two years, maybe one year. And he came from. Uh, are you ready for this? He came from the CFL. Oh no! So if there's a league that knows <laughs> that knows how to spread it out and score points, it's the CFL. But he took Fresno's defense from number 102 to number 20. Uh, in the country in points per drive, and he only made uh, 320000 last year. So it wouldn't be uh, quite as deep into the well as getting Mike Yersich, but uh, it, where, it be. where did he coach in the CFL, and how long ago? Uh, I think Toronto. I don't know. Let me, let me look did, him did up. He, did he coach against Darius Bowman? So he, he would have firsthand knowledge of what a Big 12 receiver looks like. Yeah, he, 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 uh, well, he played for a while. He played in Ottawa, Hamilton, and Toronto, and then he coached at Toronto uh, for three years, and then he coached the Hamilton Tiger Cats for four (laughs) years, and then he's now he's uh, Fresno's defensive coordinator. Well, they better interview him now when it's ten degrees, so he's used to the weather. They better not interview (laughs) him in August when it's hot, and he's like, "I'm not going there. It's too hot." Let's see. Who does Darius Bowman play for? He plays for the Edmonton Eskimos. So I bet you, I bet you, Orlando's come across Darius Bowman a time or two. Yeah. So that totally. I don't know how you came up with that name for. <laughs> how did you come up? You just looked at points per drive. Yeah. Okay. I, I yeah, worship, I, 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 I get behind him. all that, but it I is. Worship. I think it's. In, I think it's good that uh, Gundy's looking at established defensive coordinators. I think that's what you got to go get because the last. Which that's what we do with Bill Young, really. Bill Young was at the University of Miami, uh, down in South Florida, and then went and got him. And I thought that was a great hire at the time, and I think Bill did a good job. But Spencer was a promotion from within, and like I said, in the previous podcast, I think you just go get a top defense coordinator, and that that appears to be what Mike's doing. So good for him, and I think that'll be a good move. Yep, it'll be interesting. We will cover it, and I'm sure break it down for the next uh, the the dark next eight months as we wait for college football season. As we uh, get ready for the Spencer Sanders era? Yeah. Spring ball without Spencer Sanders and then summer and fall with him. So should be interesting. Appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate uh, Mark Cooper coming on, just, just taking a lot of time to uh, to chat with us. And I will be – well, I guess we'll do another one of these this week. But I will be – are you going to be in Stillwater on Saturday? Uh, the Thunder play the Cavs on ABC, so we're doing a pregame mm. show on Saturday. So it's bad okay. timing for Bedlam. So no, I won't that be is. there. That'll be fun though. That'll be good. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, pick me up some Saturday sirens on your way to Stillwater, please. I will absolutely. We will uh, talk to you later in the week, Carson. Okay. See ya. See ya.